0: Let's dive into today's topic. Welcome back for another episode of the HR for Small Business podcast. This is your host Brandon Laws. With me today is Lacey Halpern. She is a longtime returning guest, and this is a special episode. It's uh, kind of a landmark, I guess. Uh, 70 episodes is. Is today, and uh, I asked Lacey to come in because she's done about what do you think, eight episodes with us?
1: I think more Nine, than that, maybe but more, yeah. Maybe
0: more than that, but maybe you've done like a seventh of the episodes or, or more. <laughs> so, Lacey, it's good to have you back. I wanted to do something yeah. a little different uh, for today's episode. We usually have like a topic, but I thought it'd be kind of fun because people know you on the podcast. And it would be fun to do something that's more about you and just your opinions and just kind of your background. So I really wanted to start things off by asking you when you got into school and and you, you know you, you start, I think you started at Western Oregon I University did. where I actually started as well and, and finished. Did you know you wanted to be in HR at that point?
1: Absolutely not.
0: <laughs> I think I've heard that no. quite a bit from other no. people who are in HR. I had-
1: I actually don't even know if I knew what HR was.
0: Really?
1: When I worked in high school, it was for small businesses that didn't have HR. So I, I really had no interest in doing anything at all related to business. In fact, I think I even remember saying that to my parents when I was enrolling in classes, like there's not gonna be one business class, you know, in any of my schedule, so.
0: So what got you there? From the time that you started school to sort of understanding HR and uh, that you wanted to get into profession, it was sort of on
1: accident. So when I I went to Western my first year and then I transferred to Portland State, um, which is where I finished and I got my bachelor's in psychology. And I thought I was gonna go change the world, and I thought maybe Mm. one day I'd have my own private practice or you know i wanted to maybe think about working at a hospital and you know on you know one of the wards with some of the kids that had challenges and when i got out of school with my bachelor's i got a job here in portland working at a treatment center for kids and i worked there for about a month and really felt like it wasn't it just wasn't for me and so thought oh gosh okay i have this degree i don't really know what i'm supposed to do with it which is i think how a lot of students feel when they get out of school I thought maybe I'll go back and get my master's, I had always thought that would be something that I would need to do if I was going to have my own practice anyways, but I needed to work because I had bills. So I was actually driving down McLaughlin Boulevard in Milwaukee and I saw a now hiring sign um, on a building that looked sort of like an office building and thought, okay, I don't know anything about this place. And it looked like a temp agency. So um I had had a friend who worked in HR actually and she had said before that she started working at a, a staffing company right out of school and then kind of worked her way into doing HR. I like people. That's really why I do this. It's just totally Yeah, it well, makes sense
0: with the psychology degree. Yeah,
1: learning about people. I'm really curious about why people do what they do, why managers engage with employees the ways that they do. And so I was just drawn to, whatever I'm going to do It's going to have something to do with people. So I just went into this office, it happened to be Express, um, one of our sister companies. and
0: Express Employment Professionals. Yes, yeah.
1: and they um, were super busy. They were very short-staffed. I think it took probably like four hours for me to even get through the hiring process. Yeah. And, and what year was this? This was in 2006. Mm. So, so things um, were booming at that it time. It was, very beginning of December and um, just super busy and i remember saying you know i'll do anything i will go out and work in a factory i'll do i'll pick orders in a warehouse i grew up hanging out in warehouses because that's what my dad did and i was really just willing to do anything i think i even went in there wearing just like a sweatshirt and jeans like wasn't wasn't professional or anything and the branch manager at the time said, "What do you think about working here and just so being you know, an actual
0: employee for exactly, Express instead yeah. of as a temp?" Mm-hmm. yeah, Okay,
1: it, you know, doing interviews and and you know checking references. And you're probably all
0: over that because you love the the people interaction. I so interviewing. You're like, oh, yeah, wow. I thought that would
1: be great. So she's like, "Okay, can you start tomorrow?" And so Whoa. the rest is history. I was there for three years and did a couple different jobs there. Did some outside sales and really got interested in solving problems yeah. and felt like it could be a really nice transition you know to come over to Zenium. I'd been to some of the trainings and interviewed here and that's how I ended up here
0: That's awesome and then going back to the college, piece. I just want to sort of ask you a f- philosophical question, but do you f- do you feel like the, the college experience, and, and I'm not talking sp- about a specific college, but do you feel like uh, when you choose a major that it actually prepares you for a career that lies ahead? Or do you feel like it really takes those the work experiences or just to fall in your butt once in a while to figure out which path you have to go?
1: That's a good question. You know, I I don't know if i had a typical college experience i went in as a sophomore i took a lot of ap classes in high school and so i actually only went to college for three years Mm. um and i worked full time so advanced (laughs) (laughs) well i i just spent a lot of time studying and working and um i sometimes look back and think i wish i would have spent more time having fun but i do think that you know, I think having a, an education is important. I think, if anything, it taught me things like time management, discipline, you know, being able to be self-generating and not have someone telling you yeah. what to do all the time. I think that has helped prepare me for this kind of work. My degree in psychology, I think, is helpful. I think there's a few other people here at Zenium that have a similar no, I have degree. I noticed
0: that it's the psychology degree is a it's not a perfectly natural transition into HR, but because you have the skill set of being able to work with people and sort of reading people, mm-hmm. reading the situation, having yes. the emotional intelligence, I guess, is how yeah. I'd articulate it.
1: I think so, it's and I think the best HR practitioners are people who have empathy and compassion and a really a desire to understand. And I think the the ones that struggle are, are people that lack those skills. And I've had to stretch myself in other areas. You know, I don't. I'm, I didn't take business classes in school, and so I've had to brush up on that. And uh, we've just got such a great team here that has been really helpful in, you know, filling some of those gaps. And I think work experience, you know, I've just grown leaps and bounds here in all of the interesting work that I've gotten to do. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't make a decision otherwise and have not decided to go to school.
0: When you think about like all the the work experiences that you've had, and specifically the Express. Employment professionals situation where you're uh, staffing, recruiting. What sort of skills do you think were a perfect transition into the, the role that you have as any? And we'll talk about more about your current role, but just really in, in making that leap to another job, mm-hmm. I sort of want to give people context for how you can take certain skills mm-hmm. and then stretch yourself a little bit. Yeah,
1: I think the things that naturally transitioned were. Time management, uh, working in a really dynamic, fast-paced environment, being able to work with all different types of personalities. When I was at Express, I was working with associates and clients and community partners. And so just the ability to kind of flex your communication style, the ability to influence. I think I learned a lot of that from um, working at Express, and I've been able to transition some of that over here. I don't do recruiting here now, but you know, a lot of my ability to be able to advise clients in that area comes from that background too.
0: So when you think about when you finally made that transition, Express was sort of your like first you know, big girl job, mm-hmm. you know, you're a professional now. And then you you make the transition into more of an a like a traditional HR role, but with a consulting company, which is what Xenium is. What sort of things were you doing initially? You were more of an entry-level position, if I remember right. What sort of things were you doing? You went from forward-facing to then now your back office. How was that
1: like? It was tough. It was really tough. And I uh, was told that that's how it would be, and I was told that it would be tough. I knew that it would be a struggle, um, really being somebody who, I had a pretty flexible schedule. I was doing outside sales, so I kind of planned my own day. I spent a lot of time out in the field, and I missed the the team you know, not being in the office, which is what I was doing when I was a staffing consultant. Um, that's sort of what drew me to this position. It was an internal position. I started as an HR representative here, um, really doing a lot of project work, and we were much smaller than we are now, so that job, Entailed, you know, about three different jobs that we now have. You know, as we've grown, we've kind of gotten uh, specialists in certain areas. We have assistants. And so when me and one of my coworkers, Kirsten, it was just the two of us doing that job here. And so. Um, That's
0: right. We were much smaller. We were much than, smaller. So I think we were 30 employees. We, I think we had
1: 30 employees. Um, and at now the time. we're
0: over 80. So, it's yeah. It's just crazy.
1: We did things like filing and unemployment and writing job descriptions and doing handbooks and
0: um,
1: very administrative. Very administrative. administrative, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And when we had the opportunity to go out with some of the account managers, that's what they were called at the time before the business partner title came around, we loved it. I mean, we'd get to go out and help them do file audits. And that,
0: to me, seems like where that's the natural fit for you Mm -hmm. because. Your express days, you were out yes. with people, interviewing yes. and interacting, and mm-hmm. when you're able to sort of like shadow some of the the HR business partners or HR account managers at the time,
1: yeah.
0: you I probably were in a right the right fit. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and when I when I came over um, to Zenium, I actually quickly after like maybe probably not even a month after um, we found out that we were gonna have a baby, and so... Um, it's funny, that was
0: gonna be my next question. Okay,
1: <laughs> yeah, so, so I was pregnant, and then when I came back from maternity leave, um, we had a new client that I was gonna be supporting um, and working directly with managers, and um, it was something new and, and different that we had actually never done at Zenium before for a client, and I was thrilled. And I think that project, that work with that client for, I think, two years just catapulted um, me in and my interest in knowing that that this is where I'm gonna be and this is the kind of work that I want to do interacting with the clients and being more forward-facing.
0: You, you'd mentioned that you were pregnant mm-hmm. and I, I'm going from my own memory but it was, seemed like it was within the first year of you being at Zenium. It was I
1: started at Zenium in October of 2009 yeah. and I had my daughter. Which in, is
0: a year after I started at Zenium. Okay so.
1: and then I had Avery in August of 2010
0: so it was within a year Uh now i I really wanted to ask you about just the personal experience of like starting a a sort of a new career and then shifting away from that because you know oftentimes we sort of make these leap of faiths with with the career or we're like we're on this path like i'm gonna achieve this and i'm oh yeah and then something personal happens whether it's you have to take care of a parent, or a loved one, or mm-hmm. health issues, or in this case, you were starting a family, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Mm-hmm. What was that feeling like? Because you are gonna be out for yeah,
1: three it months was t- it was or terrifying. more. it was terrifying, it was terrifying. And exciting, and everybody yeah. here was super supportive. Oh, absolutely. Um, But yeah, I had, you know, you have it in your mind, or at least I did, this is what I'm gonna do, I wanna accomplish this by the time I'm Twenty-five, and this by the time I'm thirty, and then
0: <laughs> it something out happens. <laughs> no,
1: and I think it was a really good eye-opening experience for me. You know, you can't control everything, and everything. I, I believe everything happens for a reason and a purpose, and it's our job to kind of try to discover and get curious about what that is. But yeah, it was it definitely through a wrench in in my plans. I don't think that it slowed down any of my trajectory and hasn't limited you know anything it is a juggle I think if you ask anybody here that's a parent moms and dads it's tough it's tough working full-time and you know feeling like you're not giving anybody a hundred percent because there's only so much of Lacey to go around so that's tough but it's also super rewarding and I really believe that the time I spend with my family at home is really quality time and I don't take it for granted and I think I'm a better mom because I work. I really do. Um, and I think I, I always will, and, and I'm proud of being able to juggle all of it, but it's it hasn't been easy. I don't think it's I've, easy yeah, to I've
0: always wondered what that what the feeling would be like for, um, for a working mom or just I mean working parent in general where you're so you're away from your kids so often I mean I'm, I'm away from my two kids uh-huh. uh, my wife stays home and ironically uh, as of yesterday our kids are in preschool a couple days a week and it's the first time where we both like she's back to work a couple of days and and now we're having this kind of back and forth of oh my gosh so like now I have to draw I am on <laughs> drop off and pick up duty yeah. two days a week and this just threw up my whole schedule and and how i operate in the mornings and the afternoons and i now see what it's like especially as like a working mom cuz it seems like the moms are the ones that are you know they're the, they're, they're the nurturing ones yeah. it seems like for, no I'm just speaking generally but uh-huh. so when you are now a parent and you're like having to deal with everything mm-hmm. and then work and try to beef up your career it's like I totally get that now, and was that first year probably the hardest, or is it still is it becoming harder or easier?
1: I don't think it's changed. I think the the things that were hard go away, and new things yeah. that are There's different always a new and hard. Set of issues. Yeah, and and you know, for me, my job has changed. It seems like every year something is different, and so as I'm changing and growing, she's you know getting older, and mm-hmm. she's in first grade now, and. So it's just a different set of, of challenges, and I think as she gets older, there'll be more activities and, and more things that she wants to do, and if our family grows too, then you've got the balance of that. So I think it's just, it's always a, a juggle and just trying to make sure that, I think I it's important, I gotta take care of myself too, so.
0: So on, on that note, like when you talk about like the, the balance of the work life and the home life, and it doesn't have to be specific to Zenium, uh, your current employer. But what do you need from your employer when when you have a family? Like, what is what are the things that stick out in your mind? Of if I really want to have this balance, I need this
1: empathy. I think for me, so Some, an
0: understanding yeah, of yeah. What I it's mean, like. a perfect
1: example is yesterday. So I had uh, my one on one with my manager scheduled at eight thirty. Third time this month that we rescheduled it all because, because of, of your me. schedule <laughs> because of work because of meetings <laughs> and things. things. Yeah. yeah, and so and i um, yesterday was also um, you know a second day of school for my daughter and First day, I had had it on my calendar that I was gonna you know, park in the parking lot, walk her in, make sure I had time. Today, I just assumed because last year she just, I dropped her off at the curb and she just walked herself to class. Well, oh, yesterday nice. <laughs> it was a meltdown and she was not gonna get out of the car and she wanted me to walk her in and it, it was awful. And so I knew I was gonna be late with traffic and it was raining and nobody around here can drive when it starts raining in the fall. And so I texted my manager and said, hey look, I, there's a chance I might be a little bit late. You know, My daughter is having a rough morning and the response that I got back was, I actually might be late too. I'm having the same, same deal time. this morning. Yeah. So just, just that knowing that even if she wasn't gonna be late, she would have said something probably like, totally get it, take your time, drive safe. That's the kind of culture that we have here. Yeah. And I have never ever felt, and my clients too, super understanding willing to move things around, always asking about how things are going with Avery and what's going on at home. And we just, we, we pick our clients really well. We are, you know, choosy about the kind of people that work here. And I don't think I've ever felt not supported, really, the whole time. And I think even if I didn't have kids, I think that we have a, f- a flexible environment where people who've got commitments outside, there's people here who love to travel and people who like to spend time outdoors. I think that we create an environment where people can have both.
0: When you think about the, the time, uh, when you, we started at Xenium, 2009, uh, you, you get pregnant, have a baby, you're back at it, and you're just hitting the ground running. And your career really catapulted. I mean, like I can say that because I, I've known you for so long, and I've you know we've been doing these podcasts for for four years basically. And you basically went from an HR representative all the way to now your senior human resource business partner, and this guy is really the limit for you. But I wanted to I wanted to know: Are there specific experiences or things that happened along the way that really just helped jumpstart that career? Oh,
1: totally, totally. What, yeah. What,
0: what can you?
1: I think my book of business I think is is one thing so I have a sort of a unique book I think compared to some of the other folks here on the team I've got one really really large client and the volume of support that is needed and the the intricacy and the level of difficulty and expertise that's needed has just I think skyrocketed my ability to solve really difficult challenging problems, specifically employee relations Mm. types of issues. Um, Like
0: complaints or... Employee complaints, investigations,
1: yeah. Um, So that stands out, I think, is really setting me up to be able to handle anything that comes at me. I think also I've had some really tough situations with some clients that had to go through some really sticky legal issues. And so those stand out for me as, You know, walking side by side with clients through that and supporting, you know, from the discovery process when a complaint is made by uh, an employee or a former employee with a government agency or um, even a a personal lawsuit, walking all the way through that process with them several times over the last five years. And um, really tough, difficult things. I think that's helped. I think the the other thing that stands out is just the mentorship here. Mm -hmm. So... We've just got really savvy, smart people leading the organization, and being able to work with them on client issues. Never having someone feel alone here. I, I always feel like there's somebody here, um, or a cell phone call away that I can that I can chat with about a question. I think if I was by myself, I think you're only exposed to what comes at you and there's just such a variety here and then so many other people that share their expertise and we've got, you know, opportunities to do that if we want to ourselves or, you know, to sit in on meetings where other people share stuff. So those are the things that stand out the most.
0: It's funny, I always think of like development, I I kind of put them in two different buckets. One in which you have like sort of the self-motivating factor where you're seeking out knowledge but that, you know, you can, there, there's a limit to that, I think, to a certain extent. You only have so much time, but you also might not be looking in the right places. Mm-hmm. Whereas the experience side of things, you get things thrown at you. Yes. Like you're just talking about investigations. and I mean, those things, you didn't seek those out. Those just dropped in your lap. Mm-hmm. And at the time, you probably were like, this sucks. <laughs> and it's it hurts, and it's painful. Oh. And... Uh, there's a, the level of anxiety that goes around with this. It. like I just toss my whole day upside down. Uh-huh. I don't want to deal with this, but at the same time, you look back at those moments.
1: And I those feel are probably proud. Your,
0: your greatest moments yeah, right I do
1: and I really solving problems, helping people enjoy their work better, eliminating issues that employees are causing, you know in workplaces. And there's been times where it's been sleepless nights and tears and sitting in, you know into some of the the offices of our you know our, our HR directors and and VP and like I can't do this I actually don't think I can do this and just hearing from them you can do this and you're gonna look back and know that anything is possible and I just always felt supported but man there were so many times where I would get up in the morning and think I don't I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get through today and and you do and then you're like oh my gosh I'm like a warrior.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's funny hearing you say that, I mean, you've you probably had a lot of unique experiences for your particular role and anytime something that kind of falls in my lap, an opportunity, I always get like this level of anxiety around myself Me and too. I'm like, I, it, to your point, like it's hard to get out of bed, yeah. you are so nervous, your stomach's turning yeah. or whatever. I've had, you know, some times where you know, I have to go speak or something like that and do like a talk or... Um, we've done training here or even these podcasts to a certain extent like interviewing people authors nonetheless and it's like it's for me it's those are the things that stretch me but they're not necessarily things in the moment that feel good.
1: No I think that <laughs> I, I always say the tough stuff is the good stuff. Yeah. Like that's where the learning is and when it's uncomfortable and when it's keeping me up at night or stressing me out I know you know I've got tools and things that I can do to help manage that but I also know when it's over, I'm gonna feel great.
0: Yeah, it's no different than like working out, right? Uh-huh. So you like, you know you had a good workout when you were in so much pain during it, <laughs> yeah. because you're pushing your body to yes. the next limits. And and I think on the work experience side, you're pushing your mental ability to the next limits, and that's where you you really stretch and grow. So I'm, yeah. gl- I'm glad we kind of see that as the same. I, I kind of want to do like more of a rapid fire. Um, okay. I want your opinion on a couple things. What is the management style that? appeals to you the most and the one that you thrive from and the one that maybe you even try to um, mirror on for other people
1: i like the style i can't think of maybe how to make it concise but just believing that people are capable and treating people as capable responsible um, contributors and also you know pushing enough so that it's uncomfortable but not so much that somebody feels abandoned. I think that's the style that I work best with and with my employees that report to me, I try to try to do that too.
0: I was talking a little bit ago about the self-learning versus experience. Now on the self-learning side, how do you personally develop?
1: You know, this is an area where I feel like I actually could, could do more. It's this balance, right? There's only so many hours in the day and I just get so much experiential learning. Um, a lot of times that requires research. So I tend to do in the moment research, short articles, podcasts, um, things like that are easy to digest, easy to apply. I also like coursework, so I prefer workshops. I like going to attend some of the annual briefings from the um, legal firms that we work with. I enjoy reading, it's it's always a challenge to try to make the time for it for me. But I think things that are in short bites to digest are, are the easiest.
0: If you had three hours, Morning, afternoon, doesn't matter. No child, you're not even in the office, but you've got three hours that you've allocated to professional development. Are you picking up a book, watching videos, listening to podcasts, going to a workshop?
1: Probably going to a workshop.
0: You're Because you're a people person. Yep. You, like to be, yeah. yep. you like to physically be there yep. and get the energy. There is a level of energy that yes. comes with it, and yeah. the networking aspect is, is yeah. fun, so I, I totally get that. What's your toughest experience that you've ever had here?
1: Being deposed for the first time <laughs> was probably time. was probably the hardest, and I've done it, bef- you know, since then. And um, I think every time you you get gain a little bit more confidence and know that you're you're credible. That's a really tough experience, I think, for anybody. Can you
0: describe that a little bit? Yeah, like I what mean, it, was you're, like? it
1: feels like an interrogation. <laughs> um, <it> feels <laughs> like they're you're,
0: they're probably trying to trip you up on yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, tr- and trick
1: you and yeah. use things. You know, it feels like against darn attorneys. You, you know, the the thing is, though, I appreciate the process. I think there are probably times where companies maybe don't always do the right thing and so there needs to be an avenue for people to be able to, you know, to address that. Sitting in the hot seat, it's it's uncomfortable when you feel like you've done the best that you can and we work with really great companies and well intended employers and I just feel like. It, it's an attack sometimes, it feels personal. And so to try to separate that, I care a lot about what people think of me and our company and, and the work that we do. And so when it feels like that's being attacked or questioned, it's, it's just not a good feeling, so.
0: On the other side of the, the spectrum, what's the, the moment that you felt I'm on top of the world right now and nobody's ever gonna get me off my pedestal? <laughs> And like Mike, maybe Mike, you felt like your career was gonna go to the next level. What was like the best experience you've had in your working life?
1: Man, there's been so many more of those.
0: That's, wow, that's Yeah, great.
1: I don't know if there's been like one one single moment. There are days where it's like I'm driving home and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I was born <laughs> to do this. Training yeah, days, training. I mean, I love training. And so training at my clients, Pretty much every time I do that, I, I feel like this is exactly what I'm supposed to do, you know. Doing doing really sticky. I can think of several really sticky investigations where getting to the bottom of it and getting the truth is is just a really rewarding <laughs> feeling. If I wasn't doing this work, maybe I'd be a detective or something. But private investigator, yeah, I, I think some, something like that. I I just um, I really like figuring things out, and so those moments have probably been. the the kind that you're talking about
0: something I've totally relied on you a lot over the years I've meet a lot of different people and I have different connections and a lot of people email me or or even people in my within my circle of influence that um, are looking to jump into HR they're always like you know I just want to meet with somebody and I always hit you up for (laughs) for connections um to have you do an informational interview with them, mm-hmm. or, or I guess v- vice versa, it's them interviewing you. Mm-hmm. What, is, what is some advice you give people um, about informational interviews? I personally think they're valuable, probably mm-hmm. one of the more valuable things that you could do yeah. um, when you're looking to either grow in your career, or jump into a new career. Mm-hmm. What's advice you give somebody if they're gonna inter- give you an informational interview to like cut right to the chase yeah. and ask the right questions?
1: I would, I would research before, you know, especially if the, you're doing person. The, the person, the position, what they do, try to get as much information as you can. And then I would really dig in and ask lots of questions about the challenges of the role. You know, I'd ask things about what's the best day like, what's the worst day like, what kinds of support is available when things are really, really crummy and I'm having a bad day. That's the kind of stuff that I think would be important to me. I think I would, you know, you you want a position and a company to be aligned with your own personal values. And so I would try to craft some questions probably um, related to my values to see if that position and the company and, you know, that kind of role would be aligned with it.
0: You've seen a lot of different cultures. Mm -hmm. Uh, You support 30 companies or something like that? Yeah, a little over 30 right now. So you've seen the varying cultures. What's like the biggest aha that you've seen? Like if you want to build a great culture, like you need to have this. Yeah. If you could think of one or two things, what what would those be? Or maybe just a philosophy, I, I don't know. Yeah. Be kind. Hmm.
1: Just be kind. Treat people with respect. I think that I think that's the root of it. There's so many times where there's an issue and it's like Gosh, if if somebody was just a little kinder or a little more understanding, you know, we wouldn't have had this happen. I think most workplace issues often come from misunderstanding, not putting ourselves in other people's shoes, making a judgment before having all the information. So I think if we just lead with kindness, it would be a much better place.
0: I mean, along the same lines of it, what do you think is the, the quickest way to break down really bad barriers between coworkers? Empathy. Yeah, but how do you gain empathy when you never had it?
1: I think you you have to be somebody, I think you actually have to care. You have to Mm -hmm. actually want things to be better and be willing to do whatever it takes. And sometimes that means swallowing our pride and admitting that maybe we didn't know everything, we didn't have all the facts, we maybe said something we shouldn't have said and be accountable for it and I think when you do that you put yourself in somebody else's shoes and that demonstrates empathy. You know I've had situations with coworkers where just very different communication styles and we've worked through it and it took several times of sitting down even with some of the, the leaders here to help us try to work through this and tears and upset and not thinking that we could get through it. and. I can say now that the one that I'm thinking of right now, probably the greatest, one of the greatest working relationships that I've had. I think that struggle and trauma and conflict and all the bad stuff, if you can get through that, any relationship like post that, if you do the tough work, is 10 times stronger. So it's like I said, the hard stuff is the good stuff.
0: If there's like one thing an employer could actually do to make a workplace, culture be great? Like, you were talking about people and how they just need to be kind, but that's more at the the employee level, like the peop, individual level, just making individual decisions, and then that's what sort of makes the culture. But if like an employer could actually turn the little wheels of the machine and, and make a workplace a l- little bit better, what what could they do? I,
1: I actually, I would challenge that and say that the, be kind, like managers should be kind and owner. So top down approach. Yeah. Yeah. Because if we, if we as leaders, if we lead with that, all of our decisions then are in the best interest of the community, our people, you know, and it's, it's not about creating an employee of the month program. It's not about writing a great handbook. It's about all those systems really being aligned with your company's values, having values that demonstrate kindness and respect and you know autonomy and all the things that for your your uh, population are important you know making sure that the work we do is tied to a greater purpose that kind of stuff i think makes a big difference but i think at the root of it it's kindness it's respect and it is it is top down so
0: i want to talk about this millennial generation for a second those
1: darn millennials
0: we're in that group i know we but are. we're on the, like the <laughs> upper end i think like the
1: they get a bad rap. Cause I think it's
0: up to 35 years old mm-hmm. or something like that. So we're, we're in the like thirty-one, thirty-two 32 range, I think. What's your biggest pet peeve of people coming right <laughs> out of college? The, the something like they just, just don't understand and you wish you could just like, look, you don't get it. Like, especially about the working, the, the like the workplace. It's
1: so tough. I'll just say my experience working with millennials has been super positive. So Good. I- Cause you don't
0: I, hear that kind of stuff in the media.
1: Yeah, I just, I think they, they work really hard. I have millennials that report to me. They are some of the hardest working, most loyal and committed employees that we have here. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that they understand that their work is tied to something bigger and they yeah. see the big picture. And I think if you can do that, I think the, the investment on that explanation and making sure that that's out there for employees to see and know, I think you, you get a big return. You know, what you hear on the media, you know, they're always on their phone. Nobody's having conversations. Those are the kinds of things, I guess, that worry me because I think there's so much value in in face-to-face communication or telephone communication. And I worry that the importance of, of body language and all that stuff will somehow be lost because all people will do is communicate electronically. I worry that classes will all be online for our high school students and there's so much value in them being in class. I worry about all the information that is available just at at people's fingertips and that I think there's good and bad to that. I can see challenges with, you know, with our kids just having stuff so readily available and not having to work for for it, like we had to like look at encyclopedias, and I remember doing book reports, and
0: you know, couldn't use Wikipedia, right? They didn't out. have
1: that, so those are the things that worry me. But my, if I'm speaking about my personal experience, I don't really think I have a pet peeve because, really, truth truthfully, my experience has been great. I have clients that have struggles and frustrations, and most of it's around flexible schedules. And I think maybe because I'm, it's hmm. an unfair question because I'm sort of in this. Group two, and I appreciate that as well. I was actually telling a client uh, on Tuesday, they were saying, you know, what about these millennials that want to leave early? And I just said, well, I can speak personally. I want to be done with my work by about 4.30, because I want to be able to pick my my kid up from school. I want to make dinner. I actually want us to sit at the table, because that's important to me. And then when she goes to bed, I'm probably going to catch up on emails for a couple hours. So my quality of work is still there. But being able to manage my workflow and load is important.
0: Such a great point, Lacey. I mean, I've often recently been thinking about just how when I work best. And I actually read a book recently. It really just talked about like managing your flow. Mm-hmm. And so, if like me personally, my my best times of productivity are usually like from seven to about one. Mm-hmm. And then I go through this like two and a half hour lull or Me something too. in the Me middle too. of the day. I just get so <laughs> tired. My mind's on other stuff. But then something around like three, three thirty, from then to like six, I'm just like in a zone and I can mm-hmm. go through like where the time goes by so fast and I'm super productive. And I and I I say that story just because I've figured that out and I've got the flexibility in my job to be able to manage my workflow that mm-hmm. way. And I know when I'm most productive. So it's like, you're gonna get your work done and you're gonna do it really well during those times, but why not give employees flexibility? Like if millennials want that, why not right. get them that? Because they've already identified where they're the best.
1: Yes, yeah. Why, why can't you, we
0: meet them where they're You get more
1: out, out of an employee if you can aligned skills and abilities and interests and also provide them with those intangible things that don't cost any money. I have an employee that reports to me that um, likes to go running on her lunch and so she's going to take a little bit longer lunch and that's okay because she's staying until 5 30 or 6 because she knows that she needs that break in the middle of the day to be productive in the afternoon. I'm not going to be that manager that's watching the clock. Um, if people are getting their work done it's quality work that's all that matters. So,
0: what's uh- if you're like just a millennial generation, what's one thing that the media absolutely gets wrong or employers in that, general? That
1: millennials have no work ethic
0: hmm. Yeah,
1: because they do. They yeah. work really, really hard and I would challenge the employers and people that think that to, to look in the mirror to, to see what they could be doing differently to motivate the employee because it's our job to help keep employees interested and motivated in the work that, that they're doing.
0: I have a a chicken or the egg scenario for you. Does more money bring productivity, or does productivity bring more money? Which comes first?
1: I don't think throwing money at, at employees makes for a more productive workforce. I just don't. I think it's important people need to pay their bills, but I think the other things, it's probably different for different people. Maybe people that are struggling financially, that could be a top motivator, but I think for the most part, I think people want strong leaders, they want to feel connected to the work that they're doing. So I think that when you have productive employees, the money will will come and there's other ways to get productivity.
0: 100% agree with you on that. I've always felt like if you have like the, the growth mindset, the drive or whatever, and you're productive as a result of that mindset, the money will follow. It will come. It and will come. so you create more value, you're likely to have money on the back end mm-hmm. versus little bonuses or more money. I think it's a short-term fix, honestly. I, and I think people are starting to figure that out. I think
1: so too. I think companies are looking at it um, differently. I think they're sort of forced to because the market's calling for, for that and to be competitive. Start
0: market forces.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I really think if you work hard, it will, it will pay off.
0: Outside of compensation, what's one of the most unique benefits you've ever seen?
1: Got a few clients that offer paid parental leave. Oh, I, I can think of something. That's so pretty, in, that's pretty it is, unique. It is unique. Um, I have a client that offered two options to employees that had been with the company for a certain number of years. Either they could take a four-week sabbatical or they could take $15,000 towards paying off student loans. Wow. Yeah. So, the employee could choose and they could also do half and half two-week sabbatical or two-week vacation and then $7,500 towards student loans.
0: That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. I would love to do a, a, like a survey or just an analysis on that because I would be curious how many people are fiscally responsible on that because the, the going with the loans option would probably be the smartest move. Yeah,
1: and um, the we had had, I think, two, two people that had come up on that both chose the student loan.
0: Good for them. Good yeah. for them. Yeah. I'm curious when, when we talk about like an HR professional. It's easy to say for like a marketer needing a personal brand. What do you think about an HR professional in this day and age, especially somebody like yourself? Do you think you need like a, a personal brand, meaning you engage and interact on LinkedIn? Maybe you have a personal website with the work that you've done for clients. Hmm. That's
1: interesting. Um,
0: just being out there in the community versus just like, here's my role. I'm in this box, yeah. and I'm gonna. I just
1: think it depends on.
0: With
1: I think it depends on your your desire to shift careers and move to different companies and grow and for somebody who's starting out i think probably yes for somebody who's established maybe not i don't have a personal website i'm i would say low activity on linkedin i have the profile and i um i will share things from time to time but i wouldn't say that i'm somebody that's super active i don't think that's hindered my career i i don't know if maybe i was more active what that would do differently Um, I'm certainly not looking to go anywhere else. I think if you were, that would be a reason to market yourself. I think in our space in HR, um, being well connected to get information and share ideas is important, but not necessarily you know, for any other reason, hmm. you know, to get your name out there, um, unless you really want it to be maybe seen as a SME on yeah. a
0: certain topic. Yeah, and the reason I ask, there's a couple reasons why I think a personal brand might make sense, and I think it stretches to different professions now, you know, at one point as marketers or authors or whatever, and you, hmm. you build this personal brand up. But now it's, it's the resumes look all the same right they now, do. and yeah. they're, You've got the skills on there, you got the education, but it's, it all looks the same. Mm-hmm. And you have these filtering systems that you know filter people out, and whatnot. But if you you develop some sort of personal brand theres you have videos, you have a website, you have all this different stuff that most people don't have. Mm-hmm. And if you' are, to your point, if you're job seeking, could that be the differentiator in, in you catapulting to like a new career or at a different level or get a job that you might have been overlooked for?
1: I think it's a possibility. I think you know when I'm hiring people, I'm really looking for people to be aligned with, with culture. I think that's most important. Skills can be trained. So even if somebody had a fancy website and videos and all that stuff, if they you know, weren't um, aligned with our values, I think I, I would still pick somebody who maybe had a more bland resume. I think those kinds of things are more important. But I think it could certainly catch somebody's eye and it's different and interesting.
0: The other the other thing I was I was thinking of is the personal brand also helps the business side as well. So mm-hmm. if you or if you're currently working for an employer and you're an HR professional and, and you're putting your brand out there, not only could it help attract other people, like oh my gosh, they have personality, this kind mm-hmm. of person works there, maybe there's other people right. like them. I fit I think I fit their, their culture. Yeah. So not only could it help on the employer branding side, but I also think uh, when you're when you're talking about business development it could help too. And what if you. everybody in the organization had a personal brand? Yeah. I, I guess that's why I ask you. And is, I have some are you clients seeing that have are you that. sort of seeing that where it's there's a muddying between social media and personal marketing, I guess yes. if you will.
1: For some of my tech startup clients, yeah. for sure. For a lot of my other clients, I think Maybe not yet, maybe that will come. But yeah, there's. I have a client that's got all their employees on their website and there's links to each person's LinkedIn if they've got their own blog that's linked on there too, um, even if it's personal blog. So I think it, it is happening and that has been on, they've been doing that as long as I've been working with them, so almost four years. Awesome.
0: Lacey, this has been a fun episode. Yeah, it was um, super fun. I've, I've enjoyed chatting with you. We'll have you back on for another 10 to 12, 15 episodes awesome. more. And uh, hopefully you're on for the 140th as well. <laughs> cool. When we, when we double the okay. amount. All right. Um, thanks for joining us for the, today's episode. Thanks for the download. If you liked what you heard, please go to iTunes, give us a review. Uh, always looking for feedback about how we can improve and just learn about other topics you want to hear about that we'll talk to you next time. Lacey, again, thank you.
1: You're welcome.
0: Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www. Dot